Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Man, I'm so excited about today, and we are changing things up a little bit, and in a minute we're going to go back into worship, but the verse that we started looking at last week really kind of talks about our worship and our works and our words and how they all mingle together, and I thought, what a great opportunity for us to teach a little bit this morning just on how all of those things mesh together. Psalms 19 has been our kind of our baseline passage for this series. Uh, if you're uh, a guest here, we say thanks for being here. Um, we've been in a series called Sticks and Stones, and we've been talking about our words and how important our words and the power that our words have, how we speak them to people around us, how we speak them to ourselves. And today, we're going to specifically kind of look at the end, how we speak to God, what we, what we say to God. But it's Psalms 19, verse 14. It simply says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um, motivational speaker Norman Vincent Peale said this at one point, change your thoughts and you'll change your world. And I think there's some truth in that. Okay, but the axiom that that James is talking about that we looked at last week and we're looking at this week is more like this: If you change your words, you'll change yourself, and that's really, really important. We looked at uh, James chapter three, verse one. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open it up to James chapter three. Right now, I'm going to read from the ESV. It's going to be on the side screens. If you don't have a Bible, we're also welcoming in our Sherwood campus and all our other experiences. They're actually live with us all day today. So, why don't you give them a big, warm welcome? So James chapter 3, verse 1, this is kind of where we uh, left off last week with these few verses. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now here it is, verse 2, this is the axiom we're talking about. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, and he's able to also bridle his whole body. So he's saying, this is what James is saying, if you can control your mouth, you can control everything else. You can control your money, you control your eating, you can, you know, your spending, you can control, you know, your, whatever the, the problem is, if you control your mouth, you can control all these other things. Then he says in verse three, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot direct. So he says this in verse five. So also the tongue is a small member. So he's drawing this comparison about these very small things, a bit that's very small that controls a several thousand pound animal, a, a, a rudder that controls a large ship. These very small things can change the environment. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire of the world, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, right? Every kind of bird, every reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And, and really, literally what they're saying is, except for the tongue, that we can't control our tongue. And there's lots of people in this room will go, you're right, it's gotten me in lots of trouble. My mouth has gotten me in trouble with my spouse or with my employer, whatever. There's two big truths I want us all to get today, okay? Here's the first big one. In order to become the kind of person that God wants you to become, that you want to become, you should begin by taking control of your tongue. It's, it sounds really simple, and, it's, and, and, and it sounds really easy. And some of you are going, is it really that simple and easy? And I'm going to go, yes and no. It is really that simple, but it's not easy at all. How many people would say uh, amen to that? It's not that easy to control it, right? So that's the first big truth. Second one is, if you steer your tongue in the wrong direction, you can destroy right? You destroy things. 
But if you steer your tongue in the right direction, you can empower your life. You can be greatly blessed. You can see success in your life. Words can be used to hurt or words can be used to heal. And so that's a truth that we have to get today. So what, what do our words do? Okay, so let's talk about this for a second based on James. Our first thing is your words can provide great leadership. Some of you are going, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. If you, if you have a family, you're a leader. If you're a mom or dad, you're a leader. If you've ever coached a team, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a business owner, you're a leader. If you are a Walmart greeter and you say, welcome to Walmart, you are a leader because you are influencing people. You hear me on this? John Maxwell says that anybody that has influence on someone else is a leader. That really means that everybody in this room is a leader. And James specifically talks to how leaders should respond. Not many of you in verse one should become teachers or leaders, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Your ability to lead, listen to this, this is really important. Your ability to lead is directionally proportional to the ability to bridle your tongue. The, the amount of leadership you have or how people see your credibility is direct response to your mouth, what comes out of your mouth. If you don't have control, I've learned this personally, if you don't have control over your tongue, you're not ready to be a leader. Do you hear that? Nobody said amen to that. It's because we live in a world that our leaders don't shut their mouths, do they? Like, like presidents and, 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 and vice presidents and secretary of states and pastors and, 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 and all these, they, they don't know how to keep their mouth shut. But I'm, I'm convinced that if you don't have control over your tongue, you're not ready to be a leader. And if you are a leader and you have the inability to control your tongue, it'll prevent you from advancing to the next level, level of leadership. Some people go, and I've heard it before, why did I stop? Why did I plateau? Why did my leadership uh, ceiling stop right here? It's because your mouth. Because you can't control your mouth. You can't control the things you say. I was in close proximity with a person for a long period of time, 12 or 13 years. And this person was super talented. And I'm going to even say God inspired. There was no doubt that God's hand was on this person. But they had some struggles, and the struggles looked like this. He had the habit of saying things to people that he shouldn't say. He broke confidentiality several times. And there was times where he didn't say what he was supposed to say. And, and, and all through, he had the tendency to talk too much and too long in meetings. Inside and outside the church, he was notorious for his words. He always blamed someone else for the mistakes that happened. Always. It was never this person's fault. Because of all that, the people around him lost confidence in him. And they didn't want to do anything with him. Whether it was on the sports field or was in church. And here's a person who had every opportunity, every opportunity to be used by God, but his mouth kept him back. How about you? What's it look like for you? Because I think there's a, there's a, there's, there's a certain element that, that we forget sometimes, and it's we need to be accountable, and we need to be careful in the words we say. Now, I had a youth pastor. I, I became a Christian when I was about 16 or 17 years old, and I had a youth pastor. His name was Jerry Sanders. As uh, a matter of fact, a couple months ago, if you guys follow me on Facebook, he actually visited here. I haven't seen him in 20-something years, but he visited here, and he reminded me of something that day. This is what he used to say to me. There is always someone watching you. There is always somebody watching you. That's why I'm so careful about what I put on Facebook. You know why? There's always somebody watching. There's always somebody ready to pounce and turn my words or turn your words around and turn them, twist them and move them in a different direction that you, you never meant them to say. There's people out there that would actually do that. He said, there's always somebody out there. A young boy was talking to his daddy and, and his daddy was getting ready to change the oil in his car. And he said, daddy, can I, can I, can I change the oil in the car with you? Can I do it? Because I remember all the words that you used the last time you did it. <laughs> 
there's somebody always watching, right? Whether it's your kids or whether it's somebody at a workplace. I'm going to give you uh, something that maybe, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe we should try the art of silence. Did you hear me on that? Like you got quiet. <laughs> maybe silence is the answer to a lot of this. Maybe if we just didn't say anything. How many people remember a basketball coach by the name of Bobby Knight? Anybody remember Bobby Knight? Uh, University of Indiana, big coach. He won a bunch of national championships. He was notorious for saying things to the, to, to the media, and he would always use this excuse, you twisted them, you twisted them, you twisted them. So one day he's sitting there, and they're getting ready, and he said, he was asked the question at a press conference, and he responded, this is how he responded, with this extremely long, awkward pause. And then he said this, did you get that? It was absolute silence. That's the only thing a sports writer can quote accurately. Absolute silence. See, part, part of the problem, I think, is that we feel the need to always be talking. Like somehow or another, it makes us look smart if we're always talking. Or it makes us look at least like we're semi-intelligent. The problem is, some of us, when we open our mouths, it really proves our ignorance, doesn't it? Especially when we get on Facebook I remember, and I'm not getting political today, so hear me on this. I'm not getting political today. But I remember when, a couple weeks ago, when the Roe versus Wade um, thing went down. And I don't know what side you're on. doesn't make a difference in this conversation today. But I was amazed at how many people posted things. And one person from our church, a good friend of mine, posted, and it was all this stuff. And I said, you didn't do any fact-checking at all, did you? Like, you have no clue what you're talking about. And because of that post, he lost credibility with so many people, including myself, because he posted something out there that was untrue. Sometimes silence is the best thing. Here's where I had to learn it. I don't know how you learn things, but this is how I had to learn it. If you've ever been through a tragedy with somebody, that's when you realize people say the stupidest things. I have friends of mine that lost their spouses and lost, and they just say stupidest things. I, like, I, I, I cringe sometimes when I go to a, a viewing and, and somebody says, they look so natural. They're dead, right? They don't look natural. They never, Mima never looked like this, right? A few years ago, one of my good friends, his wife got killed in a car, in a car accident on, on um, uh, Riverwatch Parkway. And I remember the day it happened, and I remember hearing about it. Somebody from another church called me and said, did you hear what happened? And I got in my car, and I rode over to this person's house. And he was a good friend. We had built cars together. We had done, built boats together. We did all kinds of really cool things together. And I'm sitting at his house, and I didn't know what to say. Like, what do you say? His wife just passed away. And so I sat there. And for the next couple of weeks, I didn't say very much of anything. I would take him a meal every once in a while. I would sit there when he would ask me a question. It was just a processing thing. And I remember when we got to the very end, like he had finally kind of, kind of turned a corner. And if you've ever lost somebody close to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have that moment where you realize that God's still in control and God still loves you and God, all that stuff. And the anger kind of subsides a little bit. But I remember he, he told me that he said, letting him grieve in silence was the greatest thing that he could ever go through that he didn't have to explain things. I didn't have to explain things. I didn't have to give, well, you know, God's ways are not my, didn't have to say any of those stupid cliches that we say as believers. Just sat there and bent. And so maybe that's the best opportunity. Calvin Coolidge said it like this, and I love this. I have noticed that nothing I have never said ever did me any harm. Never comes back to bite you in the butt, does it? That's actually in the scripture. It says in Psalms 39, 
It says, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence, meaning I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So let me ask you a question today, right? Are you using your words today, yesterday, this morning, at your workplace this week? Are you using your words in a way that increase your influence or taint your leadership? Did you hear me on that? Please listen to me one more time. Are you using your words to influence people? Or every time you open your mouth, are you pushing people away? Because the only way we can do good in this world is if we're drawing people in. And that means sometimes we need to really watch our words because our leadership is a direct result of the words we use. You tracking with me on this? Let me give you the second thing because I think this one is equally as important. Your words, my words, have the ability to build up or tear down relationships. Build up or tear down relationships. Okay, so I want you to do a little thinking real quick. You don't have to raise your hand. Think about right now a relationship you have that isn't working at full capacity right this very second, okay? Maybe it's with a child, maybe it's with your spouse. No pointing fingers right now. I saw a pointed finger, don't do that. That's, not, that's a no-no at Journey, okay? You can hit them, but you can't point at them, right? Um, think about maybe a work environment, a breakdown in a work environment. I would almost guarantee you Now, I can't give 100%, but I would almost guarantee you that relationship with your child or your parent or your spouse or someone at work, it's a direct result of words that were said. There was something that was said that that, 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 that was kind of, it was kind of a grind. It was kind of like, it it rubbed people raw. It was, there was some tension in those words. And I don't want to oversimplify this. There are other sources of conflict, right? There's other things that happen. But primarily, it's the way we speak to one another. That's exactly what, listen to what James said. I want you to hear this, verse eight. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Now listen to this next part. Full of deadly poison. Just like a snake bite. Just like, just like, like we don't have a lot of them in Georgia, but when I first moved into my house in Appling, we had this, thing in the bathroom. It was in the shower. I, gump, I jump in the shower and I scream like a little girl. Don't mock me. And there was this thing called a scorpion. Did you ever see a scorpion? It was this big. It had a tail like this. But you know what I found out about them? They won't kill you, but they'll make you really sick. But if you get bit twice by them, It could kill you. When he says deadly poison, he's talking about something like that. A spider bite, the way a a snake bites you, a a scorpion bite, whatever it is, a deadly. He says it's a deadly poison. With it, now watch this, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And this is really important because the next point, we're going to really kind of break this one down. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Oh my goodness. I wonder if we really could carry that in our minds, if we would really understand that there are made in people, even if even the ones that don't agree with you, even the ones that look different or act different, they were made in the image of God. And that should change the way we have conversations. He says, so they're made from the same mouth, in verse 10, come blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Meaning, stop doing it. A believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we should be different than the world. We shouldn't be doing these things. He's saying, literally, he's saying, it's, it's wrong to curse or insult or speak harshly against others. 
I love the way Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says it. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up. And it fits the occasion that in many give grace to those who hear. Meaning this, make sure what's coming out is good, that it's grace-filled. See, just as a relation, this is what I believe, just as a relationship could be destroyed by the wrong words, they can be built up by the right words. Like I can build you up with using the right words. Uh, there's a book out that I, I remember reading. It's uh, called Youth Builder by Jim Burns. And this is what he says, and it was about students. He says this, for every critical comment we receive, it takes nine affirming comments to even out the ne- negative. Do you hear that? So for every time somebody says something negative, it takes nine, nine times uh, to say, say positive. Well, what if we just said positive all the time? What if, what if negative didn't come out of it? And he says, effect in our own life. Most people receive more critical comments in the day than encouraging words. You can have a very positive, life-transforming effect when you develop a ministry of affirmation. I've heard this before. I heard John Acuff talk about it. A thousand compliments. Think about this. A thousand compliments and one criticism means what? It equals one criticism because that's all we ever hear. So what if we change that? Hebrews says this, I love it, very easy, the NIV, encourage one another daily. I have a friend of mine, um, he comes to this service, I don't know where he's at today, I'll have to get on to him, but his name is Mike Key, um, he's one of our CR guys, they're working, well he needs to get off work, but Mike Key, he's a great guy, just about once a week I get a text from him, and this is what he'll say, has anybody told you lately that they love you? And if not, let me tell you, I love you. And you know what I started doing? Sending it back to him. I was like, how many times, how many times do we receive all this encouragement, but we never give it out? That, that, that's what it says here. Encourage one another daily. So get, up and, get in the habit of building up uh, others around us. Be genuine, right? Be genuine. Don't be fake. How many people hate fake? Like, you're so, bless your heart. Right? Don't be fake about it. Be real. Because people can tell. But encourage people. So, so here's a question. Here's another question. Ask yourself this question. Do people walk away from interaction with you with their feelings encouraged and uplifted or discouraged and belittled? Do they walk away going, man, I love talking to Bobby. Friday night, we were at a, a baseball game. We went to go see the Atlanta Braves play. And in the middle of the game, a friend of mine um, from Houston, Texas, um, texted me. And I, I thought when I first saw it, I was like, he's going to, because I think at that point, Houston was tied with us or something. I'm like, Brett, you're going to just, I don't want to hear your junk. If you know Brett Laxton, he used to be our children's pastor. And he asked me about something. And then he made a, another comment. He never said anything about the baseball game. I know he was watching. He wanted to. But he just said this. He said, one of the things I love about you most is I've watched how you love on people. And your example of how you say it and do it are amazing. And you know where that comes from? Newbie, you're amazing. You know that? Like, you rock it. Every time I look at you, man, I won't be like James Newby. That's honest. I mean, he's a stud. Right? He's walking out of here like this. Right? His head's this big, and his wife's going, stop it. What would happen if we did that all the time? And what if people walked away our, from our conversations going, I felt encouraged today. That was amazing. They made me laugh. In the midst of all the crap that's going on, I said crap, and all the stuff that's going on in the world, 
All the stuff that's going on in the world. This person makes me feel big. You make me feel big. Thanks for making me feel big. Let me give you the last one. Your words, now watch, your words have the ability to affect your worship. Your words, whether you realize it or not, have the ability to impact how you worship. What we did, the first two songs, that's why it's so important. We're going to do some more worship in a minute because I want to make sure we're going into the worship time going, you know something? I understand how my words impact everything in the world. James chapter 3, we bless the Lord our Father and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings, my brothers. These things all not to be. Now watch, verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? These are all rhetorical questions. The answer is no. Or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. See, here's the deal. There needs to be consistency between the way we address others and the way we address God. Did you hear that? There needs to be consistency the way I talk to, you know, to traffic. There needs to be consistency the way I, I talk to this person over here. And it's a direct relation. They should parallel with this. A few years ago, I don't get the chance to do it very much, and I'm fine with that because I love soaking at our church. But I used to speak at other churches all the time. And I remember I was getting ready to speak at another church, and I was sitting in the front row kind of like I was doing, and I was, I was thumbing through my notes. It was, they were getting ready to practice the songs I had because I have issues with being early. So I was like an hour early for church service. And so I'm thumbing through my notes, and I hear this. I hear this person say, the worship leader say to another one of the worship people, go, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you turn, can you turn the, uh, the air conditioner down? Can you get a little bit colder in here? Because I'm sweating up on this stage. And one of the people that were on the stage said, no, like, is that all you think about is you? Like, is that the only person you think about? That, 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 that everybody else has to be inconvenienced because you're hot. Now, maybe if you didn't wear a long sleeve shirt, like you would be fine right now. And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness. And then, right, it was, it was a, a man and a woman. They were having this argument. And then we get into worship. And I'm like, I am dumbfounded. I'm like, I'm shocked. And I see her over there. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. And she's doing the washing the windows. And, you know, she's, she's pumping it up to Jesus. And she's doing the touchdown. And like, she's doing all like, she looks like she's got it going on. And I'm thinking, you should have seen her an hour ago. And then I found out, you guessed it, husband and wife. And I thought to myself, I literally thought to myself, she's fake. Because just a few minutes ago, she was like, not that I'm judging her, but it appeared that like there was a disconnect somehow or another between her, her works and her words. There was this huge disconnect, like something was not triggering right. So here's the question. Ask yourself this. Am I consistent how I speak to God and how I speak to others? You can't claim to speak well of God while you speak ill of others. It just doesn't work. It doesn't compute. It doesn't make any sense. Our words and our worship are a demonstration, watch this, of how we surrender to God. When we're surrendered to God, our words are surrendered to God. Let me throw something out. E. Stanley Jones says it this. If you don't surrender to Christ, you surrender to chaos. We sang that song today. When all chaos, right? Well, here, here's what I've learned. I know people, you know people, maybe some of you. I know people, I'm, I, that wasn't a judgment, like it wasn't like I was pointing a finger. I was just, I know people that would tell me that they are, they are committed to Jesus. They're committed to Jesus in every area of their lives except for the dinner table. They can't stop eating. And their, their, their lives are in chaos because of it. Everything else seems to be fine, but their lives are in chaos. I know people that are, I mean, like, amazing. I look at them and go, you're spiritual, like, whatever. 
They're submitted to God in every aspect of their lives, except for their finances. They can't stop spending, they're, you know, the addiction to buying and all that stuff. Just like I know people that are, I mean, it just appears on the outside, amazingly committed to Jesus, but they can't control their mouths. They haven't brought their mouths into the submission of what Christ wants them to say. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit when he starts kind of picking and going, listen, you, you can't say that about other people. It's a pretty good guarantee. If the, I'm going to throw something out. If there's chaos in your life, whether it's big or small, it's probably caused by an unwillingness to surrender to just some area of your life. If there's chaos in your finances, probably because you're not, you're not submitted to it. If there's chaos in your health, it's probably because you're not. If there's chaos in your, your worship, if you don't feel like you get anything out of it, if you feel like I just come here and it's, it's probably because you haven't submitted your words to Christ. You haven't given him your speech. Philippians chapter 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't know about you, but that's what I need. I don't want the chaos of the world. I want the peace of God that passes all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can, can, can I ask a question? Like, this will be my last question. We're going we're gonna to close in a second here. What do you think we're saying as a church to the world? Not just here, but what do you think the church big picture is saying to the world? Think about that for a second. And I think one of the reasons is our worship and our words, they're not corresponding. So for a second, I want you to imagine something. Imagine what might happen on a Sunday morning if we all decided together, like today, we're just going to talk about how great God is. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. We're just going to talk about how great God is. We're going to tell him how great he is. We're going to tell the people around us. We're going to get on Facebook today and just go, man, God's great. Oh. What would happen? Imagine if we just took a Sunday off from complaining, criticizing, gossiping, rumors, and we just talked about the greatness of God. C could you imagine, first of all, how amazing that one hour of church would be? If that's all we did, we walked into this place with on our hearts, we were just going to tell God how big he is. What if Journey, what if Journey was known not as a church that had a political affiliation or a denominational affiliation, not, not about some social economic identity, not about a style, not about a style. Did you hear me on that? Not about a style. That when people talk about journey, when they, when they talk about us, it's, man, those people over there are weird. All they talk about is good stuff. All they talk about is how great God is. Like every time I get with that person, they tell me how, not how great journey is, but they tell how great God is. How would that change our community? What would that look like? Can you imagine how it would shape our ability to make a difference if all we talked about was how good God was? Well, Justin, where's Justin? Justin talked about it in the beginning of service. The 29th of August at seven o'clock, we're gonna come together. And we sat as a creative team, we sat with CR group and we just said, we don't wanna make this about anything other than Jesus. And we're gonna come together, we're gonna tell stories of life change. You're gonna hear two amazing stories of how God changed somebody's life. One person was in jail for like 26 years and how God changed their whole lives. I think right now we have seven, eight, nine baptisms 
I think, are your kids still being baptized? Maybe, maybe. So Justin may have the opportunity to baptize three of his kids. But we're going to share stories of life change. You know what we're not going to talk about? Style of worship. We're not going to talk about who the president is or what the latest thing that came from the Supreme Court. You know what we're going to talk about? How good Jesus is to us. How many people in this room know Jesus is good to them? That's what we should be talking about. When you walked in, you were given um, communion elements. We're going to do something a little different today, okay? The whole service has been a little different, but we're going to do something a little different in this. I'm not going to come up and pray over the elements. Just when you feel like you've had that moment, because we're going to respond at different times in different ways right now. Some of us, this isn't a big struggle. And some of us, it's a huge struggle. But what what I'd like for us to do is just when you get to that point, when you say, you know something, God, I'm submitting the chaos. I'm I'm giving it to you. I want you to take the elements. They they represent, it's a call to reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And it's a call to reminder, tell, tell how, and tell the world how big he is. David writes something in one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 105. And I don't know what was going on at a particular moment in David's life. It sounds like by his words, it's a lot like what was going on in this culture right now. And it sounds a lot like what I've been saying for the last, I don't know, five or seven minutes. Because this is what he says. Psalms 105, verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Make known his deeds among his people. Then it says, sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of his wondrous works. Glory to his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, let them rejoice. And then it says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And the last line says this. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miraculous and the judgments he's uttered. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.